Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The European Religious History Podcast about every episode of Doctor Who. I mean, isn't that what uh, everyone wants to, wants to see <laughs> when they tune in? European Religious History, all of those wars between the uh, Huguenots and the Catholics and... Uh, by the way, Kyle, that uh, reminds me, I meant to say, I, between episodes, because we're recording this one right after we recorded the previous one, but between the episodes, I did look up the pronunciation, and um, the English pronunciation is indeed Huguenots, and the <laughs> French pronunciation is st- at least some something close to Huguenot, uh, so I guess we were kind of right. <laughs> kind of, okay. But yeah. So I guess the Doctor Who pronunciation is the French pronunciation in an English accent. (laughs) Uh, Seems like a very Doctor Who thing to do. (laughs) No, cool. All right. uh, As we start to, to prepare for our next episode, I did want to quickly mention that i've been watching the new star wars show um as well because last time we talked a bit about the new star trek show that just debuted or the new latest season of uh lower decks that had just come out and um uh, the the star wars show that i've been watching is star wars ahsoka and that's been quite good nice i've been uh, enjoying that quite a bit i hope that by the time this comes out it has remained good. Um, we're coming up on some rather crucial moments in the, I almost said in the serial, uh, in the season that might determine uh, what direction it goes overall. But so far, I've been quite enjoying it. Um, you know, folks online are like, oh, it's no Andor, but like not every show <laughs> has to be Andor. It's been fun. It's been, you know, I had a lot of good action. I like several characters. Um, looks great uh the 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 cg and costumes and makeup are all overall pretty good um still looks a little weird when you paint a human green or orange because they're an alien uh but what are you gonna do it's star wars (laughs) yeah it's true you know i should check my email to verify this but i'm i'm pretty sure my lego designing cousin (laughs) designed a set based on ahsoka or like for ahsoka oh shit that's awesome yeah well uh, I, I might uh, check that out it's been a while since i i got a new lego set but we'll, we'll see what it was uh, <laughs> that'd be good to good to at least get a look at it yeah for sure So Kyle, what do you got for us this week? So this is the second episode of the serial that is either The Massacre or The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. Cool. By cool, I mean, you know, this is a, 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 a interesting premise for a serial, not that we're fans of massacres. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this episode, of course is called The Sea Beggar. That is awesome. 
Because most beggars that, at least that I've heard of, are, I would say, land beggars. I beggars of the land are quite common, especially <laughs> in areas where there be urchins. Yeah, you got urchins of the street, you got urchins of the farm, um, and I guess you have beggars of the sea. Maybe the maybe urchins can't handle the salt water. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can. <laughs> but then you'd call those sea urchins, and you'd be very confused. <laughs> All right, so uh, who directed or wrote or whatever, who who, who is behind this episode? This serial is written by Gianluca Ratti and Donald Tosh. Uh uh Heavily edited by Donald Uh Tosh. (laughs) I guess since the whole serial is missing and... Oh, that was a spoiler. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, So, God, you watch it. (laughs) This was uh, another reconstruction. Uh huh. Should we go ahead and skip that question for the next few episodes? For the rest yeah, of the, uh... we can. Uh, if we remember to skip it next time we record. All right. <laughs> or maybe I'll just be like, and you watched it because it was a reconstruction. <laughs> and you watched the reconstruction. Uh huh. We are still in the era of no telesnaps as we shake our fists at producer John Wiles. Yeah, John. Well, I'm sure he wasn't counting on people losing the episode or, uh, yeah, losing the recordings. But yeah. still, if you're going to fire your telesnap guy, maybe you should uh, invest in a big VCR. <laughs> I will say, since we might not talk about how do you watch it for the rest of the serial, that there are a couple interviews available with the Loose Cannon Reconstructions. and. Oh, cool. I didn't watch them, and I probably won't because they're like 20 or 25 minutes each, and that's kind of long. Oh, man. Like, yeah, who's got the time? Sorry, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) We're not that committed to this podcast. Uh (laughs) You know, when they interviewed Gene Marsh, that was like seven minutes. I can do that. Yeah, man, we we, we got seven minutes. We can spare seven minutes. (laughs) So would you remind us of the Cliff Dangler? Uh, the cliff dangler is that um, William Hartnell is double billed for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is he our beloved doctor, but he's also the villainous abbot. So we start off with a couple of the Huguenots or Huguenots. <laughs> we can just call them Huguenots, I think. We can stick to the Doctor Who pronunciation. Nicholas and Gaston are here. And they're talking about how they told Admiral de Coligny about what Anne the servant girl overheard, but the Admiral won't listen to a servant girl's story. Oh, buddy, I uh, think you should know the name of the serial is The Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Nicholas thinks that there's probably nothing more they can do to convince the Admiral. They basically just need to, like, wait for the Catholics to make a move and, you know, I guess then say, I told you so. I feel like maybe there's uh, some, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know the situation that well, but maybe you could at least, like, try to warn people. Yeah, you'd think. I don't know. Just, just, uh, Just get the word out, you know? Yeah. We cut back to the tavern where Stephen has returned to look for the doctor. Of course, you know, he spent the night with Nicholas at Admiral de Coligny's house. Yeah, he did. 
And he's wearing Nicholas's shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, his, you know, his military-ish uniform is all kind of rumpled. And I don't know if capes have, like, multiple buttons that can be fastened incorrectly, but <laughs> that's probably happening. Nice. The bartender tells him that the friend he was waiting for has not been there last night or this morning and that the tavern's closed and if he needs help he should go ask his Huguenot friends. <laughs> why do the Huguenots hang out with this guy? Like why, why do they hang out do, are there no Huguenot taverns in town? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. friendly taverns. Like this bartender is clearly not Huguenot friendly himself, so <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it's just like the closest tavern to Admiral de Coligny's house. Yeah, you know, the the wine's cheap, uh, it's warm. (laughs) (laughs) Back at Admiral de Coligny's house, Nicholas is telling Gaston that probably things are fine. They probably drew the wrong conclusion from what Anne the Servant Girl said. Uh, (laughs) hmm. Uh Uh-huh. She heard them mention the name Bessie. And then, just before she ran away, she heard them say it would happen before the week was out. But what's the difference? It's quite likely that the name Vassie had nothing to do with the massacre there. And the it was referring to something else entirely. Yeah, bro, um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that seems kind of like pretty willful denial to me. They're talking about that fun birthday party that happened at Vassie, and it is the exciting party that they're planning here. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, the Abbot of Amboise's birthday is coming up soon. (laughs) That's true. And then the other guy's like, didn't his birthday 10 years ago line up with the massacre in Vassie? They get interrupted by Stephen arriving back at the Admiral's house. He has not found the doctor, of course. He wants Nicholas to take him back to Port San Martin, where the doctor went, because Stephen doesn't remember the way. He's forgotten the instructions Nicholas gave him yesterday. Yeah, he's had other things on his mind. Uh huh. Nicholas agrees. He had to... forgotten other things Nicholas gave him the other day. Hey, <laughs> I might cut that one. I don't know. <laughs> Nicholas agrees to take him, but before they leave, they get interrupted by another visitor, the secretary of the Abbot of Amboise, Roger Colbert. Oh, dang. I don't trust this guy. Colbert has come to collect the servant girl, Anne Chaplet. I guess we learn her last name. Okay. He basically says that... She was frightened by her own memories of Vassy, not by anything she overheard, because the people that she overheard weren't talking about the massacre when they mentioned Vassy. Oh, of course not. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm having a hard time not picturing Stephen Colbert when I uh, hear about this guy. <laughs> Stephen Colbert's evil ancestor, Roger. Yes. I mean, we know this show is all about ancestors and descendants, and they always look exactly like the person themselves, but, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Roger sees Anne 
you know, serving at the Admiral de Coligny's house. But Gaston is like, Oh, no, 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 it must be mistaken. That girl is called, um, um, Genevieve. And she's been working here ever since the Admiral came to Paris. <laughs> Uh, roll a bluff check <laughs> with uh-huh. disadvantage. <laughs> Gaston rolls, but it's one of those rolls where the DM just kind of like smiles quietly to themselves and like doesn't reveal whether they passed the check or not. Uh, one of those, huh? Colbert leaves. It's pretty clear in his body language that he didn't believe Gaston. Mm-hmm. Gaston watches out the window and he sees that Colbert is down there talking to the abbot himself. So Nicholas and Stephen, uh, Stevelis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Our ship uh-huh. so far, our, 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 uh, kind of our, our, our main ship for this serial up to this point. The, the Stevelis ship sails over to the window to take a look themselves and, of course, Stephen sees somebody who looks exactly like the doctor. <laughs> you say, oh, doctor, hello, I've been looking for you. <laughs> wow, you're really uh, getting into this whole period costume thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Gaston is basically like, what the fuck, that's your friend? And how long have you been working for the Abbot of Homeworld? It's like, I don't know, bro. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what's going on. Yeah. Stephen basically insists that he doesn't work for the Abbot of Amboise. And if they insist that the person that they saw down there on the street was the Abbot, then he must have been mistaken and they were right. And that was the Abbot and not his friend, the doctor. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just go down there and have a quick conversation with him and if he calls me my boy um, <laughs> super condescending and or ends a sentence with hmm then I'll know I've got a positive ID but if none of those things happen then I'll know it's just a unlikely coincidence and uh, you know case of two people happening to look exactly the same he basically says, you know, let's let's head over to Port San Martin because if they can find the apothecary and Preslan, they can actually meet the doctor themselves and, you know, see that he's not the abbot. Yes. Gaston thinks this is a Catholic trap. Just a sec, Matilda's calling. <laughs> oh, Matilda. Our little co-host. Kitty, 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 kitty. I'm upstairs, Matilda. Gaston thinks it's a Catholic trap, but Nicholas agrees to go. Come, monsieur. And for your sake, I hope we find your friend. That's not the first time uh, Stevens heard those words from Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) We cut over to... Hi, Kitty. Aw, she came up to say hey. You found me. 
I like how Steven's yeah. player is one of those D&D players who, if, if you know, they get focused on one task that their characters have to do, then, like, that's the thing that they're going to do. And the GM's like, but, you know, we got like, stuff going on with the Admiral, the Abbot, this rumor, this girl. <laughs> like, you want to investigate any of these things? He's like, I got to go to St. Nope. Point San Martin. Got to get and to the port. <laughs> <laughs> I said I would find the doctor. I'm, I'm going to find the doctor. Listen, man, I made a list. <laughs> uh, it's a checklist of subquests, and that's the top one. So that's the first one I'm doing. <laughs> this podcast is amazing. 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 The emissaries from the seven planets will arrive as arranged. And we will tell them all about this podcast. Tell your, tell your friends. Tell your, your friends. Tell your friends. Write a review and leave it with a five-star rating. We, we obey. obey. We obey. We cut over to a very fancy-looking room where a couple of folks are discussing things. The marshal thinks that the abbot was a fool for going looking for the servant girl himself. All it did was arouse further suspicion. Uh, this marshal, I, uh, I don't like him. The other guy, Simon Duval, points out that it was because of the abbot that they were able to hire Monsieur Bondeau, the assassin. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. But... Marshal Tavan doesn't trust the abbot, so he tells Simon to keep a close eye on him and report back and tell him that the marshal will bring him word about the sea beggar later. Ah, the sea beggar. The, 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 and, oh, oh, of course, yeah, the, uh, um, what, what is it, fireworks and confetti? <laughs> Yep, the the fireworks all start to go off as he mentions the sea beggar. Very cool, very cool. I think it's been a little while since we had one of those. Yeah, I guess Terry Nation and Dennis Spooner don't like actually using their episode titles in the episode much. Simon Duval leaves the room as Marshal Tavan sees that Admiral de Coligny showed up and overheard the thing about the sea beggar, which the admiral takes to mean that the marshal is interested in some situation that's going on with the Dutch. The sea beggars, as you call them. <laughs> oh, buddy, I think you might have gotten the wrong impression there. <laughs> uh -huh. Also, man, like, this on the Dutch, bro? Yeah, seriously. They talk about how Tavon only hates the Dutch because they're Protestant and not Catholic. Oh, well, that, that seems to be uh, the, the prevailing school of thought around here. Uh-huh. Yeah, Marshal Tavon's like, dude, that's the only reason that you like the Dutch. <laughs> oh, boy. But apparently the council is looking into the Dutch request for French aid. Hmm. The Marshal asks to call an e if he's heard anything from the English recently, because 
he heard that de Coligny had an Englishman stay with him last night. And the Admiral's basically like, yeah, I guess some stranger stayed over. I guess he was English. But fuck off with all this conspiracy theory bullshit. Mm-hmm. Tavon's basically just like, whatever, and leaves. Forgive me, I have an audience with the Queen Mother. Don't let me detain you. Oh, wow, all right. <laughs> uh, humble brag much? Uh-huh, seriously. You just had to drop that into the conversation. A little casually, bit of a name drop. Casually mention it. <laughs> uh-huh. Over in Port San Martin, Stevelis finds what seems to be Preslan's apothecary shop, but it's closed. They start questioning a woman on the street who says that Preslan got arrested for heresy about two years ago and probably got burned. Oh, dang. But then who did the doctor meet the other day? Dun, dun, dun. Nicholas is like, dude, you say your friend is with Preslan, but Preslan's probably dead. I think your friend is the abbot of Amboise. Stephen's like, man, this whole time he never told me. Uh-huh. Stephen's just like, uh, maybe he's pretending to be? I don't know. It wouldn't be the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the doctor pretended to be that, like, expert on the film set that one time. Um, I feel like he's pretending to be people that he's not before, too. Yeah. yeah in France. In like, French Revolution times. Yeah. 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 And they're back in France. It's so true. <laughs> old habits. Stephen wants to go meet and talk to the abbot and like figure shit out. But Nicholas is like, go get further instructions from the abbot. Fuck no, you're coming with me. And, and all right, Nicholas, not 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 trusting your your boy here. Uh huh. He basically grabs Stephen's arm and starts taking him back the way they came. A little rough there, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Stephen's into it. <laughs> yeah, Stephen looks like he's into it for a moment, but then he kind of remembers his his focused quest of finding the doctor. Yeah, he's he's pretty uh, he's pretty intent on that. Yeah, he invokes his person of action trait to gain advantage on a roll and he breaks out of Nicholas's grasp and runs away. Well, you gotta, you gotta play hard to get sometimes. We cut to Roger Colbert over at the abbot's apartments. He's waiting to meet with the abbot, but apparently he's been waiting for like more than half an hour. He's getting pretty annoyed by that. Power move from the abbot. Uh-huh. He and Simon Duval are having a conversation about the abbot, which establishes that Colbert met the abbot for the first time yesterday, but he had seen him once before at some meeting the cardinal had. So he knows what he looks like. Right. But would he recognize... He doesn't know him so well... That if he were to suddenly act a little different, <laughs> he would have such a vast, you know, um, experience with the abbot to compare it to, to notice uh -huh. the difference. They also talk about 
who Colbert saw Nicholas with this morning. And of course, that includes a man that Colbert doesn't know or recognize, but who we know is Stephen. Mm-hmm. Duval assigns Colbert to find out about this man and like what his business in France is. Cool, yeah. Back at Admiral de Coligny's house, Nicholas is questioning Anne about Stephen. Anne should play the servant girl. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure she knows a whole, whole lot, but okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Other than like maybe, you know, his social security number, his driver's <laughs> license number. Um, right. In the last episode, we were speculating that she'd have stolen his wallet. <laughs> For some reason, he has this money that has like a date from the future printed on it. Yeah, weird. She basically says that she had never seen him before the other day when she bumped into him on her way into the tavern. And that at first she thought he was one of the guards, but she knows that he's not because he's kind and gentle. Okay, so she she likes him. So maybe uh, if the opportunity should arise for her to go on a, a journey in a magic time-traveling spaceship, she would feel safe to accompany him? Yeah, that does seem to be a thing they could be setting up here. <laughs> Gaston arrives, and Nicholas informs him that Stephen has escaped, and that he must have been sent by the Catholics, but Anne jumps to his defense. Forgive me, monsieur, but... I'm sure he's a stranger here. He knows nothing about anything or, or what's going on in Paris. Why, he don't even know about the royal wedding. <laughs> he, he's completely ignorant. He knows absolutely nothing. <laughs> he, you know, he, I, I find it completely baffling how somebody <laughs> could know so little about what's going on. And somewhere out there, Stephen's just like, ah, I feel like uh, <laughs> I'm being disrespected uh-huh. somewhere. I asked him where the sky was and he pointed down. What an idiot. What a buffoon. (laughs) Gaston basically just orders her out of the room and tells Nicholas that he's too kind to these, quote, nothings. Oh, shit. Yeah, apparently Gaston's a real asshole. Check your privilege, bro. Nicholas tells Gaston about how Stephen escaped from him and... We cut over to Stephen, who has made his way to the abbot of Amboise's house. So he's sneaking around the house. He has to hide from the guards a few times, all while this nice, like, cymbal-heavy, sneaky music soundtrack plays. Cool, cool. He can't find any sign of the abbot himself, but he does find a nice place to eavesdrop on Roger Colbert and Marshall Tavon. Nice. See, this is this is why you gotta make sure that your stealth and perception scores are both nice and high. Yeah, totally. You get all the good backstory. They're talking about how apparently nobody knows where the abbot is. Hmm. I don't know how you lose an abbot, but apparently they did. (laughs) Yeah. 
Tavon orders Colbert to find him and tell him that the decision has been made and the sea beggar will die tomorrow. He will attend an early council meeting at the Louvre. On his return, Bondo will be waiting for him. Oh, so the sea beggar's a person. For some reason, I assumed it was a ship. I mean, not. I, I feel like nobody would name their ship the sea beggar on purpose. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense that it's a like a an alias that these guys are using a code name. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool that they're using a code name here. That's fun. Good, good uh, operational security. Yes. After Tavon leaves, Simon Duval, who is also there, tells Colbert that that order about the sea beggar came from the Queen Mother, not just from Marshal Tavon. Oh, shit. Better do it then. So, the royal command has been given. Dang. And at this, Stephen jumps down from his eavesdropping spot next to the window and runs away. Okay, for a second I thought he was going to jump into the room, and I was like, bro, that's not how you uh, eavesdrop. <laughs> no, yeah. he's, he's smarter than that this time. Yeah, he's heard enough. It's time for action. He shows up at Admiral de Coligny's house looking for Nicholas, but Nicholas isn't there. He starts looking through Nicholas's desk, looking for paper to leave a note, when Gaston shows up. <laughs> I love that the guy who's already the most suspicious of him is now seeing him, like, rifling through the desk. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Gaston assumes that Stephen is spying. Yeah. He asks Stephen, like, what information he's looking for. He won't listen to anything Stephen says in response. He just tells him to get out. Mm-hmm. He actually draws his sword on Stephen. Oh, we get an actual drawn sword this time. Uh-huh. Stephen draws his sword to defend himself. Nice. But Stephen won't attack. He will only defend himself. Uh, an honorable man. And yeah, before long... Gaston disarms him and just orders him to leave, which Stephen does. So does that mean that we get an actual sword fight here? Or is it um, just like a quick little one move and then this, his sword is gone? He he had to, to defend himself a few times. Okay. So. Thrilling. Yeah. I assume probably based <laughs> on the audio, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Stephen leaves and then Nicholas shows up like a few moments later. You know, too bad he couldn't have shown up a few moments earlier. Of course. And Gaston tells him about how he spared that English wretch's life, even though he was spying and going through Nicholas's papers. But Nicholas is just like, dude, he only would have come back here if he had important information for us. What did he say? <laughs> uh-huh. And Gaston's like, well, I didn't really give him much of an opportunity to say anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, Nicholas basically learns that Gaston didn't get the message, and he kicks Gaston out of his rooms. Okay. We cut to Stephen down on the streets, 
He's not sure where to go. Curfew is approaching. And, you know, warn the Huguenots about the plot to assassinate the sea beggar has superseded find the doctor as his main quest. Wow. So he's trying to figure out what to do. He's being followed by Anne Chaplet, and his passive perception allows him to detect this. Cool. So he confronts her, and it turns out she was following him because she doesn't want to go back to the admiral's house because the Catholics know that she was there. And Stephen was the first person who was ever kind to her. So basically, that's why she's following him in the hopes that that, he'll help or whatever. There's a specific kind of conversation that takes place between PCs uh, when their players know that they have to form a party. <laughs> and uh-huh. it's always like, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we know that where this is going. Um, just looking for reasons for these characters to get together and, and go adventuring. So it's like, yeah, you're uh, the only person who's ever been nice to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Ever. That's think about this kind of sad. plausible, right? <laughs> Actually, it is plausible, which is sad. Yeah. He reveals to her that he also doesn't have a place to stay, which, you know, is not that much help for her in the moment. But yeah, they do join forces. They decide to team up. Stephen has an idea about maybe somewhere they can stay. And he asks her to take him to, say it with me, Port St. Martin. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was also trying to think of a different place. Because I was like, well, he's already tried. <laughs> no, all right. All right. Yes. Sorry, I missed it. Point St. Martin. There. Editor, <laughs> move that back to, it sounds like I said it with Kyle. Port St. Martin. <laughs> nice. Late that night... I always want to say Point Saint Mar- Saint Martin. It's Port, right? Port, yeah. Mm. And you know, it's spelled Saint, but of course it's French, so it's more like San. San. In Point you know, Saint Martin. My Port San Martin. My beautiful, flawless French accent. Yes. Port San Martin. Mm-hmm. So late that night, Admiral de Coligny finds Nicholas up late, still working. Mm. Missing Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard for him to get comfortable in his bed. Yeah, he's so, kind of listlessly going about his tasks. Mm-hmm. They bring him no joy now. Can't sleep, might as well do paperwork. Yep. The Admiral tells Nicholas that he's just been meeting with the king. And Nice, nice. More of those humble brags. Uh-huh. <laughs> He thinks he might have convinced the king to go to war with Spain. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) That's just a thing you do. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, Nicholas, after I'd explained the situation to him, he turned to me and he said, if we do ally ourselves with the Dutch, you, de Coligny, will go down to history as the sea beggar. 
good luck with that, bro. <laughs> uh-huh. And with that, the words next episode, Priest of Death appear on screen. shit that's good stuff yeah i guess if you're gonna have a war of god then you probably should also have a priest of death oh for sure for sure and the the war of god supplement definitely in the back where you have the stats for the various enemies there's at least one priest of death Uh uh-huh Alrighty. you know there's rumors that in some later expansions the priest of death will become a playable subclass Oh, interesting. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, Stephen multi-ta- or multi-classes. <laughs> um, cool. And uh, yeah, man, in this, uh, in this serial, they're really going through their fireworks and confetti budget because they were, they were dropping even more references to the sea beggar at the end there. Yeah, he said the sea beggar like twice in a row. Oh, man. I'm going to have to like add another track when I'm editing this <laughs> file to drop in layered fireworks. Wow. Well, cool. Well, in, in this episode, we actually had drawn swords, a little, <laughs> little bit of a, a sword fight, so a little more action packed than last time. Um, very historical, possibly too historical, <laughs> uh-huh. but at least we're heading into a, a massacre. So, Again, we are not pro-massacre. We are staunchly anti-massacre, but in terms of uh, historical events um, that already happened and therefore we cannot change, it at least makes for, I suppose, a compelling premise for Yeah, that's true. Prislan is the only historical character from this that I have Googled so far, and like I said, I'm pretty sure he's fictional, but I do believe the massacre being referenced is a historical event that actually happened. Yes, it is in fact mentioned on that Wikipedia page where I looked up the pronunciation of Huguenot or Huguenot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a significant event in the history of those people. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if Admiral Decolin used a real person. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the king and, abbot and queen mother and abbot and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I would at least put money on the king and the queen mother. <laughs> there was probably a king uh-huh. who had a mother. Yeah, that does, that does seem likely that it would have happened at some point in French history. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Um, what other notes did you have for us, Kyle? Um, I think that was all I had. Alrighty, in that case, allow us to thank Circuit23 for the theme music that he made for us. You can find his album on Bandcamp or his music on SoundCloud. There will be links in the show notes. And thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listen to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can always email us at the doctorswatcher at gmail.com. Tell us, how do you pronounce it? Do you say Huguenot or Huguenot? 
or some secret third option. <laughs> Ugueno. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a poll and I'm sure someone will pick it. Uh huh. Cool. Well,、uh, yeah.、Um, give us a five star review wherever you review your podcast and tell a friend, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Story is thinner than before. You see, the doctor is, is with Presler, who is by all accounts dead. She only said he might be. And what about the doctor? I don't know. I think I do. Your friend is the Abbot of Amboise. No. Release them. That's how it can be. Unless what? It is just possible. That the doctor is pretending to be the abbot. For what reason? Where can I find the abbot? So that you can get further instructions. Nicholas, please believe me. I know nothing about Vassy or the Catholics or half of what you talk about. If the doctor is pretending to be the abbot, then it's for a very good reason. Please let me go to him. Shall I find out that there is a plot of some kind? I'll come back and tell you.